as always a big thank you to Myra Green for her music, her composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green and her music at myragreen.com or pop onto my own website, bonnytours.com and follow her story from there. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Passing Places. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're new to Passing Places, I say every week it's my personal podcast, my diaries of my travels around Scotland, mainly by motorhome, but also by motorcycle, and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. Now, you join me this week on a small campsite on the Mullafkin Tyre. I've been here a number of times and it's been covered in the podcast in the past. And uh, I headed off on Wednesday. I think the episode can be best described as being topped and tailed by birthdays. It was my birthday on Wednesday and I always like, if I can, to be on my own on my birthday. I really do enjoy my own company at times and it's a good opportunity for reflection. I remember, I'm probably quite odd really, but on my 21st I was in a small tent in the middle of Dartmoor and three years ago now in my 50th I was on my Bonneville on the ferry over to Castle Bay in Barra, so I was determined to be away on my birthday and I came over to one of my favourite places to get back into the whole season in the van. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody on Facebook who wished me a happy birthday on Wednesday. It felt like hundreds of people. It was certainly a lot of people who listen to the podcast or follow me on Facebook, so I really do appreciate the the thought you took to wish me a happy birthday. And then today I just wanted to mention the fact that my mother is 80 years old today and she listens to passing places on her uh, mobile phone, which is great. And she also uses Skype and Facebook every day, so she's doing well and she's looking great for her age, so happy birthday. This week's episode I want to keep very brief in terms of my content because I have a a great interview with Glenn Moyer who is from Texas, currently living in Louisiana and he's due over in Scotland in a fortnight's time and I first found Glenn on Twitter Glenn is just really keen to visit Scotland for the first time and he's fallen in love with the country but I'll leave that for the interview I did have a dilemma when I sat down to look at the recording because we we chatted for, if I say hours, it was over two hours, so this interview is probably about 50 minutes long and I wondered whether to split it over two episodes. But from my own experience of podcasting, I thought the best thing is to put it in one episode and let you pause the recording or fast forward or whatever you would like to do. So the, the bulk of the episode is about the interview with Glenn and it feeds into the fact I wanted more voices on the podcast and I've got some great memories from last year of meeting Bonnie Hofkin from California and Joyce and Carlo from Boston so I'm going to catch up with Glenn when he comes over to Scotland for three weeks and i am also got uh, plans in my head for other people to come onto the podcast in the next few weeks so there'll be more interviews as I say, for you to look forward to. So I'll get off the microphone pretty quick. The one final thing I'd say that has been tickling me all week is I'm 
podcasting in a very different way. I'm using a very cheap microphone into a laptop, so the audio will be different. And Glenn and I managed to hook up. I'm sitting in my van with a mobile phone, an iPhone, and this is for the motorhome and caravan people out there. I switched to the 3 network from Vodafone because it allows me to create my own little Wi-Fi hotspot using 3G data and I can then plug my iPhone directly into the laptop with a USB cable and fingers crossed if I've got a 3G signal I can surf the web and use Skype. So the whole interview with Glenn is on a bit of a wing and a prayer so the audio I think it's uh, good enough, but it was just uh, just really, really exciting or satisfying to be talking to somebody live across the pond while I was sitting in my van looking out to sea with the waves crashing on the beach, so I'll say no more than that. So let's uh, dive into the interview with Glenn, and if you're interested in following Glenn and keeping in touch with his visit to Scotland, he's set up his own blog. His uh, web address is aglenninscotland.com aglenninscotland.com And you can also catch up with him on Twitter at Glenn Moyer and that's G-L-E-N M-O-Y-E-R 1, the digit 1 at Glenn Moyer 1 on Twitter So, as I say, you can pause and listen to the interview over a couple of sessions I just felt it would be inappropriate if you're in the middle of a an interview to then have to wait till next week to hear the end of it. So I'll be back next week with a lot more details of my travels because I'm in the van and I'll probably be in the van for the next at least week to a fortnight. So let's have a listen to Glenn and his newfound passion which is his love of Scotland. Hello, Glenn. Welcome to Passing Places. It's great that I've finally got the chance to catch up with you. I know we made touch and I think it was Twitter initially. I found you on Twitter and I realised that you had an interest in Scotland. So it'd be really good just to maybe give us a quick idea of who you are, where you're from and where this light bulb moment came that I know about, about your interest in Scotland. Uh, well, the the Reader's Digest version, as I w- we would say over here, meaning condensed, is uh, born and raised in Texas. Um, I've lived uh, in uh, several places in Texas, in California. And I, the last 15, 16 years now, I've lived in uh, Louisiana. Um, the uh, light bulb moment, as you put it, that's a great way to put it. I hadn't heard that term before, but I like it. Um, was about a year, maybe a little over a year ago, I quite accidentally uh, stumbled onto the TV show Monarch of the Glen and uh, fell in love with it. Um, and through it, began to fall in love with Scotland. Um, it reignited in me an interest in my own Scottish heritage and ancestry. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. I started uh, exploring, um, uh, reading about Scotland, getting on the online, finding and talking to friends in Scotland. And it is an ongoing and um, ever-deepening love affair that I have with the country now. But is that quite typical of your personality, that you, you dive in deep? You get in the deep end really quick if you are interested in a topic, or is it something about Scotland specifically as well as... 
your ancestry and things are? Um, that is a good question, Kevin, and one no one's ever posed to me, and I really haven't given it a great deal of thought. If I am into something, yes, I tend to get into it very deeply. Um, I don't have a lot of interest that I that I have that deep an interest in, but if it's something that that strikes a nerve with me, then yes, uh, being a journalist all my life, um, uh, I am a voracious fact finder and. Uh, and so when something strikes my interest, as Scotland did, then yes, I, I do get into it quite deeply. Yeah, I, I I dive deep into everything I do, but I tend to lack concentration and I flip from one hobby to the next. <laughs> you know, I couldn't say I've been 30 years watching, bird watching or doing anything particular. I love to dive deep into a topic and I end up, I find another one and I move on. But uh, I think it's a personality thing. Well, I got into I got into hot air ballooning um, way back in uh, the early 1980s, and uh, have been uh, solidly. In, in fact, most people say I need to get a life because ballooning tends to be my life. It is my vocation and my avocation primarily, um, and so I don't let go of something when I get into it pretty deeply. And I'm pretty deeply into Scotland, so I have no intent of letting go. And it's a fantastic thing the internet that you can do these deep uh, dives that you couldn't do maybe 20 years ago? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, just through the internet, through Scotland Hour and my association with the folks there uh, and other sources, I've already met and made so many, yourself included, uh, people that I now consider to be very good friends, um, many of whom, again, like yourself, I, I plan to meet when I'm there in a few weeks. Um, and that wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago, uh, just literally would not be possible. Um, the technology that we have now is just amazing. I can strike up a conversation, again, as you and I are doing now, and talk with people anywhere in the world um, instantaneously. And you know, for me to say, to be able to, to name off 10 or 12 or 13 friends that I now have in Scotland, I couldn't have done that five or six years ago. So it is amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And for me, the, it's the, the amount of information that you can immediately access and obviously internet is variable in terms of quality but you can cross-reference I mean you're an expert if you've been in the journalistic field but the fact that you can link it to individuals and through social media bring it to life and make all sorts of connections and friends and appointments and follow it through that's so so vibrant compared to a library it, it actually is and it's so much more immediate and uh, and far-reaching. Um, you mentioned yes. when we were chatting earlier about the article done about me and the Scotsman. Uh, that thing, in my terms, went viral almost immediately the moment that it went live online. And uh, just by following people on Twitter who retweeted the link to the article, within 24 hours, I had counted that it had gone out to something over 60 to 70,000 people yeah. around the world. And I was getting people tweeting back to me uh, who had read the article from New Zealand, from Australia, from all kinds of places. Um, the power of social media is amazing and in some cases maybe even a little bit frightening. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's a really exciting development, but uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, goes forward over the next few years or so. But uh, more power to its elbow for me. See, before we get into your trip to Scotland in any detail, Glenn, I had a few face-to-face uh, -face encounters with some of my listeners from America last year. 
And I was very interested in how how Scotland is perceived in the USA, as well as how they came to have an interest in Scotland. And um, just as a, an obvious thing, the Monarch of the Glen programme, I remember it when it came out on our own national BBC channel. And I'm not sure if it was 15 years ago or probably more. But do you get much Scottish content on your various channels, your TV channels in America? Was it just by chance that it happened to be on, or do you get other Scottish content? There is um, a lot of Scottish content if you go looking for it. Um, I would say the average American um, who doesn't have an interest in Scotland does not see much of it um, and would not. Um, it's there, but you do have to go looking for it. I just have to be um, bouncing around on – I'm not a big fan of American TV. I think most of American TV is just garbage, uh, especially with the latest trend toward reality TV shows, uh, which aren't at all real. Um, and so I spend most of my time when I'm uh, watching television on um, public broadcasting and BBC America, uh, and even unfortunately BBC America is a little disappointing at times because they show reruns of Star Trek. Well, I can get that here. I don't turn to BBC America for that kind of programming. Yeah. Um, but it is there, but you have to go looking for it. And I found Monarch um, purely by accident. Um, I, I watch a lot of PBS, and so I watch uh, and see a lot of programs like Doc Martin, uh, Midsummer Murders, Sherlock, those kinds of things. I'm a huge Downton Abbey fan. Um, and because of those those viewing habits of mine, Netflix sort of suggested um, Monarch of the Glen, and I popped into it and um, and immediately fell in love with it. And let's be frank, like I guess so many guys did probably back when the show was on TV regularly, they fell in love with Dawn Steele as Lexi. Um, <laughs> and so uh, she certainly held my interest and kept me watching the show. Uh, I've now viewed the entire series twice. I own the piece on DVD. Um, I'm a huge Dawn Steele fan, and she's inspired me in many other ways. Um, I, I jumped immediately from the highlands of Scotland and followed her in, uh, into uh, the wilds of Africa, where she was uh, starring, of course, in, in another series called Wild at Heart. Um, but uh, I've since found, uh, is it, um, and I'm going to be bad with names, Neil, uh, is it Neil Donahue or O'Donnell or... Um, He's a television presenter over there. He, he did a TV series on the history of Scotland, and I apologize. I've, yeah, Neil Oliver? Neil Oliver, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I've forgotten his name. Uh, I've watched that series. I recently discovered another series called uh, Scotland Revealed that I really like because uh, about 90% of it is filmed from the air. Uh, and as a balloon pilot, I love being in the air, and I love the perspective you get from seeing the world from above. Um, and And so there's a lot of content out there. Um, somebody just suggested to me the series Broadchurch, um, which wasn't, I don't think, filmed in Scotland, but it, it was uh, a feature of Scottish actors, and, and I've seen that. Um, and so there's a lot of content available, yes, but I don't think the average American is exposed to it on a day-to-day -day basis. You have to have an interest in Scotland, and you have to go hunting for it. If you go looking for it, you'll find it. And in your immediate circle of friends, or your work colleagues, or the local place that you live, is there a, how many connections before you'd meet somebody with a, a shared interest in Scotland? 
<laughs> well, most of my friends uh, by now, given uh, the, my development and my interest in Scotland over the past year, they see me walking down the street and it's, oh, no, he's going to talk about Scotland again. <laughs> so <laughs> um, they're actually quite excited to see me leave for a few weeks, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, in a serious answer to your question, um, I- I'm actually very surprised at the number of people that I have met and do find here locally that have Scottish ties. My best friend's um, wife has Scottish ancestry, and she led me to the uh, Scottish Society. It's kind of a, a, a oxymoron here. It's called the Scottish Society of the Louisiana Highlands. Well, the entire state of Louisiana is only about 150 feet above sea level, so there's not what you'd call real highlands here. Um, but it is it it is a Scottish society, and it's based right here uh, in the town of Shreveport, where I live. Yeah. And um, and, and I've met and made some great friends through there. Our, our current society president is actually a native of Edinburgh who lives in the small town just down the street from me, just in the next town over. The population, so there are, population there are, I, Glen. I'm sorry, say again, Kevin? The population of the town that you live in, how many people? Oh, the town I live in, Keithville, Louisiana, is a very small town. It's actually what most people in the world would call a village, uh, just a few hundred. Uh, the town of Shreveport, which is the next, is a big city, we're actually a little suburb of it. You know, I honestly don't know. I'd, I'd hate to give you an answer. It, okay. It's not a not a big city, but it's it's a you know, it's a fair sized city, I suppose. Well, just before we, I mean, I'm really interested in what Americans think about Scotland. And when you were talking about the monarch of the Glen, one of the things that uh, tickled me last night after we'd exchanged a couple of tweets on Twitter. I don't like you really follow celebrities or television and our TV is very like yours. It's headed down that track towards lots of cutbacks and we're now watching a lot of American stuff but also reality TV. So I very rarely put my television on but I do for the soccer and it was the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So I watched that for whatever it is, an hour and a half, two hours. And I was just about to switch the television off, and it's I have a free view uh, box, which gives me maybe, I don't know, 70, 80 channels, and I never watch it. But I just started to run through looking for the news, and here was Monarch of the Glen, one of the <laughs> channels in, in Scotland. So they, I don't know who's behind it, but there must be a bit of a, a push to get it back out there. But it was, well, I get, I'm sorry, go ahead. It was, it was a really... I don't know the right adjective, a really warm, uh, lovely storyline between various people, but set in a quite romanticised setting that appealed to a lot of people because it was harmless but really enjoyable and well acted and well put together. The storylines were good and there was a lot of humour in it and it was a good series or two yeah. series. You'll know more about it than I do. It was actually, it ran for uh, seven series, actually. Well, that's um, why I must have come across it, because I didn't watch television. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it, it was on, I think, in, uh, originally in about the 2000 to 2005 time frame. So I'm coming to it very late, but that's uh, an interesting fact, because uh, there is actually a very strong fan base for the show. Um, there is uh, an online forum uh, for fans of the show, 
uh, who call themselves, and, and, and I call myself, I'm proud to be one of them, I suppose, uh, they call themselves Bogleys uh, from the Glen Bogle, which of course is the fictitious setting. Um, but through that forum, uh, as with Scotland Hour, I've made and met some very dear friends, and in fact, um, a half dozen of us are getting together during my visit, and we have a dinner party planned at um, uh, the pub, the Tipsy Laird, which is in Kingussie, uh, which is the pub that the, the crew and cast of uh, Monarch used to hang out at when they were filming up at Ardvariki, and I'm actually spending um, my second week in Scotland. I can't... Uh, I can't get into the big house, into the uh, itself, uh, as that's a private residence. But they do have self-catering cottages on the uh, Ardvariki estate or Glen Bogle, and um, and so my second week, I'm actually staying on the estate, and I'm uh, going to explore the monarch country, and quite thrilled about that. That that really is going to be uh, quite an experience, I know. And uh, I'm guessing now, but I would imagine you're a bit of a photographer too, given your hot air ballooning and things. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm not sure I can stick all my photography gear into my uh, my my suitcase coming over. I've purchased two new digital cameras uh, to bring with me. I'm bringing my GoPro and I uh, an, an HD camcorder along with uh, a laptop and my iPad and hopefully maybe a change of clean clothes. You see, I just I just knew that, Glenn, that you were go- you were going to be a, a gadget, but also a, a photographic uh, geek. Oh, I, I'm a gadget geek. Yeah, I I have uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five Macintosh computers in the house in my office here, uh, three iPods, an iPhone, an iPad, and uh, if it's got an I in front of it, I probably own it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's great. If you're you know for your trip, you'll you'll be clicking away or or videoing the whole experience because yeah, the the, the views you'll get will be fantastic. The oh, I know. Something to photograph. I, I've been uh, on Twitter, as you know. That's where we, you and I came across each other. And uh, I'm constantly, each day, uh, there are a couple of photographers on there, in particular, uh, Landscapes 365, who are photographers over in Sky, and uh, a lady that does uh, photography called Beautiful Butte. And, uh, and then everyone else, especially now that springtime has arrived over there, the photographs on Twitter are just uh, astounding. The views, I, I can't wait. And um, if I can get a quick plug-in, um, I'm obviously going to be throwing a bunch of my stuff up on my own wee blog, which is, uh, amazingly enough, I was able to get the URL, and I've had people in Scotland gate, how did you get that? Because uh, my blog is at www.aglenninscotland.com. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I loved it because of the play on the word, because my name being Glenn, of course, and uh, and Glens are, are quite popular there in Scotland, so... Um, I, I was quite surprised, but I've had several people say, you know, how in the world did you register that name? And I just did a search, and the domain was available, so I bought it. Um, I'm surprised. I was shocked that it was was there, but, but quite thrilled and having a lot of fun with that. Good. And I've been reading your blog, and I've listened to the radio interview. The trip that you've got planned is only, what, less, two weeks away or less, or...? Uh, I leave two weeks from uh, tomorrow as we're recording this. Yeah, I leave Thursday the 24th and arrive uh, on the afternoon of uh, just after lunch on Friday the 25th. And as you say, you're getting quite heavily booked, but also hopefully you've got some time to uh, take stock and do it solo as well. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have some specific things planned. Uh, as I was telling Willie Stewart on Inverclyde Radio, you know, there I have an evening at uh, uh, at the King's Theater planned to take in opening night of a show that's a favorite of mine called Passed Off. Um, I'm doing things like the uh, the Fort William to Malay uh, train ride, the Harry Potter train. Um, I'm uh, touring. I'm going to go by and see uh, friends that I've made and tour the the pirate bar in the studios at 29 Studios in Glasgow. Again, taking the Kelvin Grove, and I have uh, plans to go up to Falkirk and see the wheel and the Kelpies. But I'm hiring a car, and I'm trying to leave time in the schedule so that I can just get out and drive and take in whatever happens to me along the way, whomever I may meet. Um, and so I'm looking forward, quite frankly, very looking forward to that. Um, just to do the spontaneous thing and see what happens. I don't want to do too many touristy things, as it were. There are certainly sites, Sterling Castle, Edinburgh Castle, things like that, that I want to see, of course. But I want to run into the everyday normal Scotsman and, and see the Crofts and, and, and whatever else may be out there in the countryside that just might, you know, I might stumble upon. I think that's the true magic of Scotland. Well, that, that sounds to me, Glenn, like a really good uh, balance, a good recipe. Because I... I... I wanted to ask you about the solo traveling part. You know, the I I really do enjoy the solo bit, the spontaneity. But if I do too much of it, which I tend to do, I suffer from lack of contact with people. And you sound as if you've got your own balance, but it, it sounds like a good mix. You've got various appointments in the diary, but you'll have enough time to take yourself off and lose yourself and whatever happens next. Yeah, I I think so. Um, people who know me will tell you that uh, you know I never meet a stranger. Uh, I'm very uh, easy at walking into a room full of people where I've never been and making friends. And so uh, I look forward to you know as I say driving across country and pulling into a pub somewhere to um, have a lunch or or grab a quick drink and um, and meeting the locals. Um, that's something I, I'm really excited about doing. Um, and um, as a as a balloonist, we have a tradition in the sport of ballooning where we make small little lapel pins of our balloons and we trade them between uh, various ones. I have a collection of several hundred. Well, I've crafted, um, you may have seen my post on Twitter of it, I've crafted a special pin for my trip that has my balloon on it and it's flanked by um, the Scottish flag on one side and the Texan flag on the other, other side because I, I, I absolutely tell people now I'm Texan by birth, Scott by ancestry. I've sort of adopted that as my personal identity. Um, not that I have, and people should understand because I talk about my dream is to move to Scotland and make Scotland my country. I am not an unhappy American. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a revolutionist or anything like that. I, I'm very proud of the fact that, and, that I was born in the United States and, and I love my country, but I also love Scotland and my dream now is to move there and live there. Um, but I am also fiercely proud of my Texan roots, and if you look into history, and I've been reading, as I said, two different histories of Scotland, there are tremendous similarities. I pointed some of them out very briefly on a recent post on my blog. There are tremendous similarities that I find between Scotland and Texas, and between the Scottish people and the Texas, the Texans. Um, we are fiercely independent. We are very prideful. Um, we are I won't use the term quick-tempered, but, you know, you don't put our back against the wall and not suffer the consequences. And I find a lot of similarities in that, also in the geography that I talked about on my blog. So um, so I've adopted that sort of as, as my slogan for my trip. I'm Texan by birth, Scott by ancestry, and I'm very proud of both of those. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on a very uh, tenuous connection here, so I'm really 
happy to hear you talk rather than me asking you questions or telling you about what well, I do, but it's, uh, it seems to have worked so far, Glenn, but see that tie, that whole uh, eye in the sky where you're up in a balloon and you don't have all the problems with you have an aircraft? You know, I used to travel around Scotland both employment-wise, so I was staying in places for months or years at a time, but I ended up in cars on a regular basis, and I thought I knew the country. And when I gave up work four years ago, I had a midlife crisis that I engineered myself, and I got into motorcycles. And to see Scotland by motorcycle was amazing. And then I realised that I hadn't really visited the islands in a proper way. And I'm not a sailor. And when you get out in the, in the water and see Scotland, and you travel between the islands and you see the mainland and all the weather, you realise you don't know Scotland unless you've been in a boat. And then you introduced the idea of, from an aerial point of view, and I know in Scottish television they do a, it's a sort of, not quite a, well, the, the station is shut down, but during the night you can watch all sorts of aerial photography across Scotland. And Visit Scotland, our tourist board, put a lot of money into aerial photography because it really brings the country to life. Now, I'm just really fascinated by the fact that you've obviously spent a lot of time in a basket underneath a big hot air balloon, but I don't know if I could cope with the vertigo, but that's yet another way to look at the environment or the countryside. Are you still there? It, yes, it absolutely is. And as far as me talking and you not asking questions, don't get me started because you don't have enough time on this podcast. <laughs> like I, it'd be much like I told Willie Stewart on, on Inverclyde Radio. You know, It's like just turn the microphone on. It's part of what I do. I'm, I'm a public address announcer at balloon festivals all around the country. Um, I am an old radio television guy. Uh, though I my uh, I now work in print journalism primarily, but um, uh, but you know put a microphone in front of me and just point and say go and and I can go as long as you want. So well, Glenn, uh, Glenn, <laughs> I have no Glenn, lack of that. You're all you're all cattle and no hat when it comes to broadcasting. I think. <laughs> um, I would, you know, I would love nothing more than to get back into to broadcasting. As we've discussed briefly, my goal is to, my dream is to move to Scotland and live there. Uh, I don't know if uh, someone with a non-Scottish accent would be welcome working for BBC or Inverclyde Radio or, or any other outlet over there. Well, see, um, see, when you, when if we can catch up, I'm sure the way we talked about social media being a complete game changer. Surely there's an opportunity for that wider diaspora to, you know, get together and with a, an American um, voice and an American experience, but a love for Scotland, there's surely possibilities beyond the thing I have about the printed media and the terrestrial radio is that as social media and podcasting and streaming radio and all these other things happen, it becomes a global medium rather than limited to the west of Scotland if it's Radio Clyde or Central Belt Scotland if it's the Scotsman. I mean, perhaps there's ways in the next few years that you could play an active part as well as tick the boxes for you in terms of what, you know, you enjoy and what floats your boat, as we say over here. Well, I hope so, um, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, think, uh, I think that's one reason why... Um, the interview on Inverclyde Radio happened. I think it's a reason why um, when I'm over in a couple of weeks, the end of this month, I'll be co-hosting 
Scotland Hour, the uh, monthly Twitter chat, uh, because I bring to that discussion the perspective of one who um, is not Scottish and yet loves Scotland and all things Scottish. But I bring that American perspective, and I can talk about that, and I, I like to think that I can uh, – uh, that I can add something to the conversation um, in that regard. I certainly try to, and that's why I've tried to become as educated as I can, as time has allowed, and I still have a lot of reading to do um, about Scotland because um, because I enjoy intelligent conversation and um, and would like to be able to add to that conversation. I'm reading. I enjoyed your. Um, a discussion on your podcast just recently about the upcoming referendum. Uh, I'm certainly reading a great deal about that as one who hopes to someday live in Scotland sooner than later. Um, and so the decision on Scotland's independence um, certainly would have some bearing on that. Um, I will say I'm undecided at this point, um, and I don't want to make any enemies by choosing sides before I get there. Uh, but I know it's a critical decision for uh, for the country and for the people of Scotland, and I admire them for going down that road. Um, and I admire the fact that there is a good, open debate. Um, I was also touched by your recent uh, issue about uh, what's happening at the uh, battlefield at Culloden. Um, that certainly is going to be one of my stops, and uh, as well as the new visitor center at Bannockburn. So... I uh, so yeah I I think I do offer a, a perspective that might be of interest there and, and more to the point I just absolutely enjoy I love radio worked in radio and television for years and I love it um, and uh, and I miss it and so doing things like this and the in, the interview with the uh, Inverclyde Radio is great fun for me um, so I hope maybe there there might be some opportunity for for something like that maybe it's my destiny to come over there and do a podcast for the uh, Scott diaspora, you know, around the world. Um, maybe that's what's to come. Who knows? And I, I mean, I, Glenn, I'm a, I'm a, just a hobby level, really. And, you know, I would really benefit from a coaching session, a master class, if you like, the chance to mix it and talk to people like yourself who've got genuine professional experience. I do it as a, as a passion. And for me, it's that social media, that whole love of the technology, the geeky side. I am totally amazed that you can make connections like speaking to you, meeting people from America last year, lots of friends on Facebook. I I didn't waste time on Facebook or YouTube necessarily, but until I started podcasting, I didn't actually make the genuine face-to-face, well, the, the, the vocal audio connection first. But then I start meeting people when I'm out in my travels, and there's a, a genuine sense of community that I didn't have before. And that's all worthwhile because it's a hobby. Well, and and I will say this. I think you do it very well if if you are doing it at the hobbyist level. And I think, um, quite contrary perhaps to to popular perception, um, you were just talking about the meeting that you had down in London uh, with uh, the group of UK podcasters. Uh, There's been a big session going on over here in the States in the last couple of weeks. And uh, they're actually now that the term is being bandied about is actually audio on demand as opposed to podcasting. But a lot of people, the company I used to do a podcast for an aviation news podcast, um, their attitude was sort of that podcasting was audio and therefore it was a dying art and everything is going video. Well, quite the contrary. Podcasting uh, and audio on demand is a very growing industry as evidenced by the fact that you just attended that meeting down in London. Um, so I think it's an absolute, uh, an, an absolute mainstay in the market 
buoyed by social media without question because of the contacts and the interest that people can have. And, and I, quite frankly, spend more time on Twitter now than I do Facebook because I found on Twitter um, a, a more rapidly growing international level of contact than my Facebook page is mostly friends that I know here in the United States are balloonists who find out that I'm a balloonist and they send me a friend request and I've never heard of them. Uh, Twitter, I've found I talk with and communicate with more directly and with more people from around the world by far than I do on Facebook. Now, you're limited to those 140 characters, so the messages are, are very short and concise, hopefully, <laughs> sometimes. Um, but I just I find it the far more interesting media between the between the two, and then I'm just now getting into Instagram and all these other sorts of things that are out there, uh, because I want to be more actively engaged in that. The global community, as we've talked about, really intrigues me. Um, um, despite my age, it, it's sometimes considered to be you know more of a younger thing. In fact, I remember a story not long ago where they were saying that that teenagers, young people, were you know, flocking away from Twitter and going to other sources because now all us old guys were on Twitter. It wasn't cool anymore. Well, I disagree with that because I have great interaction with my own nieces who are all 20-somethings um, as well as friends that I've made now over in Scotland that are all, uh, not all, but many of them are younger and some of them much younger than I am. Uh, and yet we have great interaction. And so I think that's that can only benefit us around the world as we begin to finally interact with peoples in other parts of the world that otherwise we'd never talk about. You, you hear all these things about, you know, John Lennon's song, Imagine, and, and um, imagine all the people in all the world living as one. Well, I don't know if that's ever going to come in my lifetime, but certainly social media is taking us more in that direction than anything that has happened previously in my lifetime. For sure, yes, I agree, definitely. So, uh, before uh, you and I need to get together and have a drama or two, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I, I plan to be doing that. In fact, one of my stops is uh, I've got to schedule it, but I have intention of taking in a whiskey tasting at uh, at the whiskey bar in uh, Edinburgh. Um, they've invited me by, um, and of course they're going to tour a, a couple, if not more, distilleries while I'm there. And and oddly enough, the timing of my trip works out that uh, Whiskey Fest is going on the month of May in Scotland, and so I couldn't have chosen a, a better time to be there, I think. Though I, I will admit, I am not, I have never been a scotch drinker. I've started learning, teaching myself to drink and enjoy scotch in anticipation of my upcoming trip, and so I'm still very much down on the on the wee little level. Uh, uh, right now, my favorite is Glen Morangi, um, and but I'm looking forward to, to tasting some others that have been recommended to me. I have a good friend who's an Oban drinker, um, and and several other brands have been suggested to me. So, um, so I plan to sample a little bit of that part of Scotland as well. But, okay. but uh, <clears throat> as we say over here, I will be drinking responsibly. I can assure you that. I'm trying not to correct you, but the the Glen Morangy. Okay, well, see again, some of the pronunciations I haven't got down quite yeah, yet. And I'm, I'm just playing, but the I lived in Tain for uh, five or six years, which is a mile from the distillery, and I I don't get into whiskey in terms of the way people are wine connoisseurs. I think the basic decision is: do you like malts or blended whiskey? Right through to deluxe malt, deluxe blended whiskey. But if you're into malts, it's the space side malts are easier on the palate in many ways. 
and nyla malts are the ones that are very strong and smoky and salty and a bit of seaweed and so there's there's two or three basic starting points and i haven't got beyond there but my favorite tipples are a lagavulin which is an isla malt well that's one that has been suggested to me i've found it uh, so far impossible to find in the uh, local um, liquor stores or package stores as they're called here um, so that's definitely on my list to try and uh, and as I say, I, I'm really a novice uh, Scotch drinker, and so I, I started with uh, the the uh, Glenlivet, um, and um, then sampled the uh, Glen. How did you say Glenmorangie? Glenmorangie. Glenmorangie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, sampled that uh, at a uh, an Irish pub, actually out at a balloon fiesta in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and just loved it. So that's now my go-to for Scotch. But I, and I made this the. the conscious decision when I decided to to teach myself to drink scotch so that I could come to Scotland and enjoy a wee dram or two or three or four as it may turn out um, but I, I made a conscious decision to stay away from the blended whiskeys I, I wanted to be um, a proper Scotsman and drink of course single malts and so that's the direction that I've gone but but I'm absolutely a novice at it uh, I like it but I'm a novice it's good very good. Look, just uh, I'm conscious we are going deeper and deeper into all sorts of areas <laughs> of Scotland. What about a quick uh, run through of your itinerary for your trip at the moment? Uh, well, okay. Uh, quickly, I guess um, I, I land in uh, um, in Glasgow. I'm flying into Glasgow. Um, on Friday the 25th and spend my first week in Glasgow um, um, staying. I'm doing the self-catering cottage um, throughout my trip in three different locations. I'm spending a week based in Glasgow at Gavin Burn Cottages in the uh, um, in the Kilpatrick Hills. Um, and from that, there... I checked that go ahead. Glenn and I saw the views over the Eskin Bridge and down the Clyde to Dumbarton Castle. Yeah. And Yes. Yeah, and I found them quite by accident. I, I've planned my entire trip uh, on my own using the Internet. I've not been involved with travel agents or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, I put all this together on my own, so I'm, I'm quite happy with that. People have asked me, well, how did you decide where to stay? Well, it actually was it was mostly either on my own or through recommendations uh, from Scotland, our friends that I had made. Um, so, But I stumbled upon Gavin Bourne, uh, Gavin Byrne rather, quite by accident on the Internet and found their, their facilities and their place lovely. The people that own it are, seem very, very nice. Um, so I'm basing there for my first week, and from there I'm hiring a car throughout the, the trip and uh, basing in one location, and then we'll branch out. So from there I'm going to do the lowlands area. I'll be obviously spending time over in Edinburgh, Falkirk, Sterling, um, down into Ayrshire where um, I have friends uh, that I've made online and from where my ancestors originally came. Um, and then the second week I moved to uh, where my heart truly lies, uh, to Glen Bogle. As I said earlier, I'm staying in a cottage on the uh, Ardverachie estate, which was, of course, Glen Bogle, the setting for Monarch of the Glen. And, uh, and I'll be touring, uh, in that case, the, uh, the Monarch country. Um, and then the third week I move over to Isle of Skye. You know, my trip originally was going to be, uh, because my ancestor, who dates from the 1600s in Scotland, like so many others did, immigrated first up to Breadalbane into the Highlands under the influence of the Campbell clan. Um, in fact, I'm tied to the uh, the Campbells of Breadalbane. And then he immigrated to Northern Ireland to the Ulster Plantation, and then his grandson uh, on to the United States in the, the early 1700s. In fact, 
my immediate Scott ancestor and his son are actually buried in a cathedral cemetery in Clogher, Ireland. And my original plan was to go to Scotland and then stop in Ireland on the way home and visit the gravesite because no one from my family's ever been there. Um, but I became so enraptured of Scotland that my trip went from a week vacation to two weeks vacation to three weeks vacation to, frankly, I may never come home now. Um, but anyway, from the second week in the Highlands, I go on to um, to the Isle of Skye because I, I fell in love with the images of Skye that I was seeing online. And uh, and Ireland will just have to wait until I've relocated to Scotland and I can hop over there whenever I yeah. want. Um, and I chose Edinburgh in um, uh, in uh, the uh, on the Isle of Skye primarily based on some recommendations. I'm also a musician and I love music of all types and I want to take in some live music while I'm there. And I'm told that uh, on Sundays the uh, the pub, the inn at Edinburgh has great live music. And so um, I chose uh, of all places to stay on Skye. I selected Edinburgh based on some recommendations about that. Um, so that's it. Three weeks. One week in Glasgow doing the Lowlands. One week in, in the Highlands at Art Veriky and then a final week on the Isle of Skye. Sounds like a good plan. That very first uh, location is about five miles from where I was born and brought up for 18 or 19 years before I headed off. So my parents still live in Dumbarton, which is only five miles down the road. That's an area that uh, I'm hoping to get to. Uh, Dundee, I have a good friend online who was born and raised in Dundee and says I really must see that. And of course, uh, she highly recommended going to the Isle of Mull. And I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough time. Um, well, get that CV out because you got to move. Yeah, well, the CV is out there, and and I'm watching a couple of sites online that post the Scottish jobs or media jobs in particular, and marketing and tourism are all areas that I'd like to work in, uh, and feel qualified to work in. And so, um, yeah, it's, whenever something pops up, I guarantee you the CV is, has been winging its way over to Scotland and hoping that um, you know it lands in the right uh, right person's hands at some point in time. And and you and I joked early on when we started exchanging information on social media about hot air ballooning hot air ballooning in Scotland, is it is there a practical possibility or is the weather and the topography just problematic or um, as far as actually flying balloons, there is a limited amount of ballooning done in Scotland. Um, God knows it would be a beautiful country to fly over. I can only imagine the views one might be able to take in. But the problem you have is, especially up in the Highlands, um, is whenever you've landed, finding a place to land wouldn't be difficult, but getting out of there would be considerably difficult right. um, because there is not the roadway network uh, to get in and out of places like that. Um, most of this, what I understand about ballooning, and I've met a friend of mine, I've made a friend over there who is a balloonist, and I'm hoping to get a flight in with uh, uh, Graham Houston while I'm there. Um, there is only one balloon festival in Scotland, um, and there is... Um, uh, a limited amount of ballooning done in Scotland. Uh, in fact, Graham actually spends a large part of his time flying over in Myanmar instead of flying at home in Scotland, though he does run a little balloon business there, I believe. So uh, the answer to the question, no, it's not practical for me to look for employment and to make a living as a balloonist uh, in Scotland, I don't believe. Um, and while that, while I, I love that, and it's been a, log, a large part of my life, um, you know, my, my skills and my real talents are as are in the, the broadcasting, uh, advertising, public relations, marketing field, and so that's where I'm hoping to, to land. Well, 
Glenn, if we maybe bring this to a close, but uh, I'm sort of feeling it's a very one-sided conversation. It's all about Scotland, and I feel uh, slightly uh, embarrassed that we haven't really talked about America and Texas and places because it's it's amazing your passion for Scotland and you haven't yet been. But, you know, in, in fairness, I should have a, a similar interest in everywhere else. And I think the the that relationship between America and Scotland is historical, but so many hundreds of thousands of Scots were displaced for all sorts of political reasons, economic reasons, and we're only just through social media beginning to join it all up again. That's very true. Uh, of course, this past week was Scott Week up in New York City, where they had uh, huge parades and, uh, uh, and quite a bit of celebrations going on there. They had a, a traveling exhibit of the Kelpies uh, were there. The sculptor of the Kelpies was also on hand. Um, and uh, we had our own uh, Wee Tartan Fest here in Louisiana, and there are others scattered around the United States, I know. Um, and I'm happy to talk. Uh, I, God knows I love Texas. Uh, I love the southwestern United States, uh, but this is passing pieces about Scotland, so I think yes. we should probably be talking about Scotland, And uh, uh, but I'm happy to talk uh, Texas, and I've had the, the good fortune through ballooning to travel. Um, I've been to probably 75% of the United States, um, to England, Canada, uh, France, Wales, New Zealand, uh, so I've been around a, a bit, not a world traveler, but I've seen a few places. Um, so happy to talk about that at any time, but um, as a friend of mine said on a phone call just before you and I started this, she said, your mind has been, is already across the pond, and I said, you know, my mind's been across the pond for weeks now. <laughs> That's nothing new. I'm, I'm living and breathing Scotland, even though I'm not there yet. And some people find that unusual, and, and some people have scoffed at the idea that I would want to move there and have never even been there yet, and they just don't understand it. They don't get it, and people who live in Scotland and, and do know it and understand it, they, you know, they understand it, and that's all that matters. It, it's where my heart lies now, and and uh, hopefully that's where my destiny lies. We'll see. Well, we like to keep it a secret too, so there's not room for too many. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't encourage any of my friends to come with me, but I probably will bring my cat if I can. You're all welcome. Well, I don't think Skid and the cat will get on, but the, the cat could certainly come over. Well, uh, actually, my neighbor has a, a, a cute little to uh, dog named Tinkerbell, and uh, Tinkerbell and Bailey, my cat, do get along pretty well. They respect each other's space. They're they're not bosom buddies, but they respect each other's space. So, uh, Bailey's 14, and so I'm hoping that she hangs in there long enough for me to to get to Scotland and for her to make the journey with me because she's like a child to me. But as all our pets are, as I'm sure you know. Um, but uh, I'll try to keep uh, keep quiet about Scotland, keep it a secret, so nobody gets there before I do. Well, fingers crossed. You know, and, and just to finish off, for me, the amazing thing about the both connecting with you and the the whole technology, the you know, the internet and the social media thing, is I'm you know I'm sitting in my van on a beach on the west coast of Scotland on a a connection through a mobile phone, and you're in Texas, and that's got to be progress, surely, in terms of joining people up. Yeah, actually, technically, I'm in Louisiana at my home now, although I'm from Texas, but it's just right across the river from Texas. Um, and you're right, uh, that's a part of the technology that's amazing, this Skype technology that we're using, which is what allowed me to do the interview with Inverclyde Radio. I mean, you know, it struck me it's quite odd that, you know, I'm sitting in my office, uh, I work from an office here in my home, and uh, I'm sitting 
sitting in my office and talking to radio listeners in Scotland. I mean, come on, for goodness sake. I, I used to work uh, years ago down at uh, a radio station in San Antonio, Texas, that some people may know about uh, because it was one of those 50,000-watt clear channel stations, as they're known, uh, at WOAI radio. And it sometimes is heard around the world, and we would occasionally get postcards and things from people who'd heard us in Finland and Norway and the UK and places like that. Um, but that was because of atmospheric uh, conditions, what's called in the in their business called skip, when the, the signal skips across the atmosphere to other parts of the world. But now we can do it routinely. It's all available at our fingertips with just the punch of a button on, like you say, it's something now as simple as not even a computer or a laptop, but as simple as a mobile phone. Um, Technology is an amazing thing, and it's opening up worlds to us all. And I just I feel sad for people who don't explore what's out there and what's available because technology allows you to, to go so many places, meet so many people that we could never do before. It's an amazing thing that we have available to us if you just grab the initiative and, and take hold of it. Yeah, and maybe our grandchildren will really get the full benefit. I think so. I know, you know, as I say, I mentioned my three nieces earlier that are uh, all 20-somethings, and they are far more in tune to some uh, parts of the technology and certainly some parts of social media than I am at, at age 60. Um, I was very proud of my, my father, uh, who after he retired and until his, his death a few years ago at the age of 80, uh, taught himself how to use the computer and got into email and was web surfing and things like that. Um, my mom, who uh, or mum, did not, and now that dad is gone, she's she has that computer sitting there at his desk, and so she's beginning to learn it. Um, so it, in some ways it is perhaps uh, something that the younger generation will benefit from far more than us, but there's no reason why. Um, I hate to use the term seniors because I don't, I, you know, I am 60 years old, but I don't look at it that way. They say you're as young as you feel, I guess. Um, I still think I'm 20-something um, and, uh, and hope I, I always feel that way. Um, although there are days the aches and pains convince me that I am 60. <laughs> um, but my point being is I think it's it's always such a shame when people who are of, uh, of older age, uh, middle age, whatever you want to call it, seniors, um, who do choose to, to sit at home and, and read a book and they're afraid to go outside of really their own little world and don't reach out and take advantage of what technology does offer them. And zipping by me even as, as geeky as I can be, and I'm a gadget freak, things like you know the, now the new uh, smart watches and Google Glass that everyone's talking about. Um, and I was having a discussion with my best friend this morning over breakfast about where technology is taking us because he's one of those that he has a computer, but it's an old 286. He barely knows how to do email. He's not technically savvy and doesn't want to be. And, and I, I and, and stumbled into the latest technology I can find all the time. Um, it, it opens amazing worlds and brings you the opportunity to meet so many amazing people, as are the friends that I've made, like yourself in Scotland, that I would never have, our lives would never have crossed prior to this were it not for the technology that's available. So if you don't Absolutely. take advantage of it, you're, you're missing a huge opportunity. I don't care what your age is. It's not something for the younger people, though certainly technologies are developing, and they may be quicker to grasp it and, and, and make it their own, but there's no reason that anyone at any age can't use it to their benefit. And, and the benefits are so huge that it just um, it's disappointing when people don't see that and don't try to take advantage of it. At least it is to me. I, I think 
my world has changed tremendously even just in the past year because of the contacts I've made over in Scotland because of technology. Um, I, I love it. And, um, and so people are missing out if they don't you know, embrace it, I think. You're absolutely right, Glenn. And even while we've been speaking, I pulled up the whole Gulf of Mexico and learned the lesson about where Texas and Louisiana heads <laughs> over uh, east towards Alabama, into Florida, Georgia, whatever. So, you know, that, that's, the, that's the amazing part of the technology. And I think we can, we can all keep diving deeper and deeper. Well, and I've done, I'm sorry, I've done much the same. I, I get onto the computer and I call up a map of Scotland and I find where all the places are that I want to go see and start trying to calculate driving times from one place <laughs> to the next and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, technology is just, it's amazing and it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to be embraced and, and made your own to whatever extent your life demands it um, or that you want it to become a part of your life. But, uh, but I, I, I as I say, my life is just so entirely different. My, what I do for a living as a magazine editor and publisher is so different now. My dad was a linotype operator at a newspaper. And the technology that I use where I can create an entire magazine, which I do every other month on my computer, um, is just mind-boggling to someone of his generation. When it was all done with cut and paste and, and you know hard copy and that kind of stuff, um, the digital world and technology is it's just it's fascinating and, and people need to should embrace it and explore it to the extent that they can well i totally agree and glenn it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you i really do look forward to the chance to meet face to face and see a glenn in scotland in three dimensions <laughs> well i do as well kevin and I, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity i've uh, uh, really enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I hope our discussion today is of interest to your readers. I know they're a varied group out there, and uh, they've welcomed me into the group, and I appreciate that. Um, everyone that I've met and come into contact with uh, in Scotland, and I haven't even been there yet, have been so warm and welcoming. Um, I think that is a part of what I love about the country is uh, the people of Scotland just seem to be amazing and I'm sure that I will not be disappointed when I get there in two weeks. Great. You know, in the Golden Key, if you could share any of those photographs from that uh, wide variety of technology you've got on the Passing Places podcast group on Facebook, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, you're talking uh, pictures taken yes, while I'm in Scotland? Yes, that would be great. Oh, I'll be happy to. I'll be posting to my blog probably every day, but I'll jump over to uh, the Passing Places group and post it there. Um, and and just in, but as I've told my friends on Facebook and and even on Twitter, I'm going to really concentrate my efforts on my blog, just because that's a centralized place everybody can go to. But sure, I'll I'll be I'd be thrilled to post some stuff up onto uh, the Passing Places Facebook page if you'd like. Great. Well, look, Glenn, that was really really excellent. I was really enjoyed the conversation and. Hopefully it will translate into a proper recording, and if it doesn't, we'll certainly catch up and we can do it properly. You can hold my hand and take me through the audio <laughs> process when we, when we meet in Scotland. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's necessary. I think you've you pretty well got it down, but, uh, but I would love to meet and uh, share a wee dram and, and catch up, and we can visit it at, uh, at length and uh, talk just as long as you'd like, whether it's for a podcast or not. Um, I, I truly enjoyed it, and... Uh, have, uh, I'm thrilled to have made friends uh, with you and look forward to that deepening friendship as uh, I get over there and we meet in person. Well, I'm really pleased that you came out to Passing Place. It's made my day. 
Well, I'm honored that you would have me, um, and uh, and I the, the the really the the honor and the thanks is all mine, Kevin. Really, it is. Okay. Thanks, Glenn. So long for now. Well, as I say, I really did enjoy that interview with Glenn, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with him. I feel I'll need to have a bottle of Lagavulin 16-year-old malt ready to at least share the odd glass. So that's podcasting on a bit of a shoestring. I'm off back down to the Central Belt in the morning to pick my daughter up, and we'll spend a week doing something in the van. I'll see what the weather forecast is like tomorrow. It's not looking good. There's gale force winds forecasting. Gale force winds and big white vans don't really get on, so I'm not really looking forward to tomorrow much, but I hope that the weather's going to improve sometime next week. So thank you for listening, and as I say every week, I hope if you're ever visiting Scotland, I manage to bump into you somewhere on your travels. So in the meantime, stay safe, and I'll play out with Mary Green's music or composition, Passing Places. Thank you. <laughs>